Welcome to another interview for the Creative Creator Radio Show. You can hear more like this by tuning in every Friday from 4 to 5 p.m. on CKLU 96.7 FM or streaming the show online at cklu.ca. To listen to the archive of past interviews and catch the podcast, visit www.radiocrater.wordpress.com. Here today with me by phone is Toronto-based Canadian-Bulgarian sculptor Ivo Arndov. Graduating from Bulgaria's National Art Academy in 1997 with a major in sculpting and having participated in roughly 20 joint exhibitions and presented his work in six one-man shows, Ivo is a talented and established artist whose work has been exhibited internationally. Ivo is also a member of the Ontario Society of Artists. Hi, it's great to have you here on the show. Uh, hi. Uh, can you begin by giving listeners an idea of what you do for a living and the kind of artwork you create? Uh, so, the kind of artwork that I do is um, big uh, polyester screens, uh, about uh, 7 feet by 10 feet, huge size, um, mostly uh, drawing, uh, drawing with a charcoal on uh, on these screens, and uh, they represent uh, figurative art uh, with elements of uh, constructivism and uh, anatomy as well. And, and as well, their the themes, attempts are uh, philosophically uh, involved and uh, about uh, Adam, about the creation of man, about uh, um, pregnancy, how how the kid, uh, the kid is born, and such a things. Uh, as well, I do sculptures um, cast in bronze, uh, middle size, uh, mostly geometrically, but uh, figuratively uh, as uh, generally. And um, um, that's it. <laughs> okay. Uh, does the choice of medium influence the subjects you choose to represent uh, in both sculpture and also in your drawings on the projectors? No, I- images, uh, um, you know, images, uh, the art is uh, created by himself. Uh, he can use uh, pictures or uh, models or all these things, but the picture should be created in your mind. Um, uh, I don't use any projectors, uh, I just draw. And um, to make the scale, uh, sometimes I use uh, measurements and such things. But... Uh, Generally, uh, I use sketches uh, of objects that I like and uh, just represent them on the canvas. Um, what are some recent examples of places where your work has been on display? Uh, you can see my sculptures in Wellington Gallery in um, Aurora. and uh, I, I have um, two sculptures in their permanent collection and two sculptures on display. And uh, recently, uh, I'm going to take part in the uh, exhibitions of Ontario Society of Artists' memory in a art gallery and uh, in Todd Morden uh, paper mill. Uh, paper mill. Uh, there is another exhibition of USA, and I, I'm going to take part there, uh, uh. mostly with the uh, big screens. Uh, that represents some philosophical um, ideas and uh, concepts. Do you try to go with different themes for each exhibition? Um, not really. Actually, these exhibitions stay juried, and uh, they're mostly for the Ontario Society of Artists. And uh, we just display our works there, but I, I'm not a team worker, honestly. 
uh, I work uh, by myself. I don't take part in groups and such things. I need the society mostly for, for display of my work, for the opportunity. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so a lot of your work goes through gallery, but uh, do you think that exclusivity to galleries is potentially damaging to maintaining a strong role for visual arts and sculptural in, in society? Um, yeah, there is a, such a point. Uh, um, the, the right of the gallery to represent artists and only their right is, uh, is a big, big obligation. And, uh, the, the artworks should be um, more public and not uh, only for collectors, only for um, admirers. Uh, they, they should be displayed uh, publicly maybe in shows and fairs and such things, not, not only in galleries, because the galleries, they have their one policy, and um, sometimes the, the artists, they don't fit in this. Um, have you consciously... Uh, and they, they charge uh, a lot of, actually, uh, like commissions. Yeah. Have you made like any uh, conscious effort to make your work more vis uh, visible to the public? Uh, yeah, um, I I take part in uh, joint exhibitions, um, jury joint exhibitions uh, that are uh, at public places, uh, uh, public galleries, and uh, this is one of of the things that I do. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you see visual arts in Canada changing in the future as the population becomes more and more of a mosaic of different races, ethnic groups, and cultural backgrounds? I think um, generally uh, the Canadian art um, stick with um, his classical examples like Group of Seven, and it's some kind of damaging this thing because uh, Group of Seven are great artists, of, of course, but uh, after these uh, hundreds of artists, they just imitate them and copy them, and uh, they don't bring anything valuable with their works. Um, the, the different uh, ethnic backgrounds that is coming in Canada uh, is very positive thing because bring new ideas and new styles, uh, new people generally, uh, as well uh, when they mix their ideas and, and, and uh, concepts, um, and new, new, new art going to, to be, you know, new art uh, going to be created. So you really see that as a positive thing, like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The 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 best exhibition in which I took part uh, it was 2005. Uh, it's called uh, Canadian Art Without Border. Uh, it was opened by the Minister of uh, the Immigration, um, uh, Mike Hall. By this time, uh, I saw artists uh, from different parts of the world. Uh, really good. Um, one was a Serbian, another was a Chinese guy, and one was uh, uh, from India. So, but all of them they were excellent artists. And after this, um, the the things that I I saw in the exhibitions and in galleries uh, around the city, they didn't impress me at all. But the those those things in the first exhibition they're very 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 good very 
with high quality and uh, knowledgeable and uh, with new concepts and things. Yeah, so they, they weren't just brought together because they're different ethnicities. It's because that they were great artists, yeah. So no, no great, but uh, interesting, uh, interesting artists and professional, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, with a lot of artists, it seems that information on the Internet can be quite limited, usually sticking to the artist's basic qualifications. So I was hoping that you could add some context to your work for listeners by giving a biography of yourself, where and how you grew up, and how art entered into your life. Um, I'm born, I was born in a family of artists. My mother is a restorer and a artist, and my father is a poet. So they, they always encouraged me I, to follow this path. And uh, after this, uh, I, I helped my mother in the restoration in uh, historical uh, sites uh, like uh, ancient tombs and uh, churches. Um, I I was admitted in the Art College of Art, and when I completed, I I was admitted in the Art Academy. So it it, it for my skills, but uh, as well for my uh, for my my thinking about art. So the benefit of the uh, of the formal education is not only to develop your skills, as well is to develop your thinking. Uh, the analysis, uh, the, the the new concepts, all these things, and uh, I, I think that uh, that should be more professional, not just uh, a game, just a play. It, the the playful side of that is a good thing, but uh, um, if um, we we accept that this is business for billions. <laughs> Honestly, when you see the auctions and uh, overpriced uh, piece of arts, it's obviously that this is a serious business. So you need you need serious education for that. Unless uh, to know the history of art, uh, the history of modern and the history of classical art. So, how long did it take you to get your full arts education? And did you see your mentality changing a lot coming out of uh, art school? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I changed myself. Uh, Actually, it, it took me about 12 years, uh, five years in the college, five years in the, in the academy, and about two years uh, private courses. Uh, that was very valuable experience for me. And um, because my style is ba based uh, on, on figures mostly, uh, the, the figure, the, the human is um, the, the major subject of art. Uh, because we we portraying ourselves actually when we drawing um, th this education is very valuable very uh, very useful for me did your parents encourage uh, you pursuing an arts education yeah they encouraged me but uh, as well uh, a lot of of my friends that are technically oriented and here and back home, they say, "Why, why are you doing this? It's not worthy. You're going to be starving artists. Why are you doing this?" So, uh, for for me, art is uh, necessity. is part of the human nature. You can see it in the uh, in the prehistorical caves that the cavemen actually draw all the time. 
they make sketches, they make paintings. It, it is necessity for the human being. Uh, uh, the 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 world that is changing in in a very technical way, uh, and uh, people that saying that art is 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 not useful anymore, they are wrong because uh, in such a world I, I I don't like it. I I don't want to live in it without art. While you were getting your arts education, were you ever nervous that you were missing out on maybe a, a technical education that people seem to be telling you would have been more beneficial to you? Not really, because, um, you, you know, every every man um, needs some form of uh, to express himself. Uh, some people are good uh, speakers. Um, some people are good at uh, thinking another with communicating with people, you know, transferring ideas and stuff. Uh, I'm good at drawing. I'm good at uh, visual, visual images. So I, I need the art. Actually, it's part of me. Uh, technical education that can bring me money is not uh, the first thing that I think about. There is a principle, if you need a, a second work, or or third work that's uh, just to pay your bills. This work should be far away of art, not to influence your your style, your, your art. Some 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 people think that uh, if they make, for example, uh, postcards, because they are artists, they are probably good at that, uh, the craft, you know, the uh, um, uh, th it will be good for them selling the cards, make some money, pay the bills, and after this goal, make their style. Uh, wrong. Actually, their style is going to suffer. It's better to be construction worker, for example, to make money, to pay your bills, and then to, to make your, your style. So you never really want to compromise like your artistic vision by, by doing, I don't know, a, a more commercial form of art? More commercial commissions, yes. But uh, commercial, no. For example, making designs or um, decoration is is not for me. Is I am not on this stage uh, anymore. So it, I think is is harmful for me. Mm -hmm. So what would you say in your personal life was the greatest struggle in pursuing a path as an artist? Yeah, one of the great struggles in my life uh, is pursuing the path of the, the artist. But uh, I have another changing anyway. <laughs> uh, with the immigration, with biologically as well. You know, everybody is different. So when you, when we are young, we think that we are invisible and uh, everything will be fine. Um, my my father told me, uh, if you're going to be an artist, you're going to to suffer. You're going to struggle. I say, come on, what what the old guy talking about? I'm not going to suffer. I want to be like uh, Rafael Santi, you know, be famous, be be young, be rich, uh, admire from the ladies, and uh, I'm not going to suffer. I will be rich. I will be handsome. But uh, actually, he was right. Uh, after this, the life catch, catch up with you, you know. So you now live in Canada, but originally you're from Bulgaria. How present is the influence of your home country in your work today, and what influence has coming to Canada had on your work? Be because um, 
from early age I I live in family of artists and because my mother is uh, her work was uh, to restore uh, you know the Bulgarian heritage you know mostly churches and uh, we always were somewhere uh, you know uh, she she worked in different towns and different cities um I, I have I had access to a lot of uh, historical treasures and uh, you know and uh, buildings and uh, mural paintings and actually this uh, left a big influence on on me on my art and uh, but uh, the the most uh, formidable thing it, 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 it was actually my education in the art academy so I I meet. I met a really um, guy that can educate me, my professor, and uh, the the most uh, important, uh, of course, they develop my uh, my skills uh, as artists, you know, my um, my tools, but uh, as well, I I learn how to think about the the world, uh, you know. That's why I I choose the sculpture actually. Sculpture is a great art. Actually, it's the greatest art because you use three-dimensional objects. Uh, I, in order you to to make it, you you gotta know how the world is made, of which shapes and uh, how the shapes like geometry, how how they compose, how how they exist, uh, the monumental structure of the things. It's, it's great art, actually. Mm-hmm. In 1997, you graduated the National Art Academy in Sofia, Bulgaria, about your experience in getting an arts education. Um, would you recommend it to young artists? Yeah, you, you mean uh, uh, the choice that you're going to, to do, um, uh, to be self-taught artists or to get uh, art education? Yeah. I recommend the art education because... Um, how I say it, uh, is a serious business and it's a serious matter. So you need serious education. So you don't think that you could have ever just been a self-taught artist and still um, reach this point in your career without the arts uh, education? Yeah, I, I don't think that uh, uh, like amateur you, you're going to be professional, you know. <laughs> That's my point of view. What was the you, hard- you you can you can be very gifted, you can be very gifted you uh, to be self-taught, but you need at least to self-educate yourself, just to to clear the things, to, to clear uh, your ability, your point of view, all these things. So, what would you say was the hardest thing you had to learn while attending the National Art Academy? The hardest thing was. Um, you know, first uh, I was accepted and assigned to one professor. He was very good classic- uh, classical artist. But after this, he died, so I I went to another professor. And uh, I was sure that I'm ready to be an artist. You know, I I'm as good as as possible. You know, drawing classical art. But the guy gave me a hard time <laughs> new guy he he just shut me off and then i understand i understood that this is not the 
the, the goal. This is not the goal. You you just to reprodu reproduce images, objective uh, images. Uh, the goal is you to analyze, to to uh, move uh, shapes and, and to make them in different different forms to manipulate them actually in in your use. So uh, it was the the hardest lesson actually that uh, I gotta. Uh, put myself down and to start to learn again with the new guy. And he was visionary, actually. He was a thinker. It's hard to say in, in 10 minutes uh, on my five years education. <laughs> yeah, I imagine. Yeah. Uh, so how early on did you come to the decision to focus your attention on sculpting and do a major in sculpting? Was it when I realized that um, working with uh, real stuff with three-dimensional objects is more important than drawing and painting and other visual arts, I decided to, to go to the sculpture. Uh, there is a um, uh, very nice work of uh, the great uh, sculptor Brancusi. Uh, it's called um, Pieta, um, uh, Blind Pieta. It's actually um, something like a big container, you don't see what is inside. There is a sculpture, but you, you can't see it. You, you have uh, uh, two gloves, you, you put your, your hands there, and you just touch it. And then you realize that there is a sculpture. You, you actually see it by touching it. Uh, it was an um, early example of the modern art, actually. But it's very uh, remarkable because showing the um, the, the superiority superiority of the sculpture over other arts. For other arts, you you gotta see it first. In this, uh, for the sculpture, sculpture is existing. Doesn't matter you see it or not. It, it's the, just object. Mm -hmm. So, what would you say is the biggest difference between your non-sculptural and sculptural work, and how closely are they connected for you? Actually. Um, my big drawings, um, they're like uh, projects for sculptures. Uh, that's the connection. There is no difference between my sculptures and uh, my huge drawings because uh, the, the big drawings are like, uh, um, like projects, uh, like drafts for sculpture, but uh, sculptures that I'm not able to make because of some financial difficulties, because of the scale. Uh, such a things Be because of the physical ability that you should have to make it it's same style actually so, so you basically keep the same mentality when drawing yeah, as when exactly. sculpting I'm, I'm a sculptor always yeah. do you feel like the drawings the large schematic drawings that you could ever uh, further in your um, development actually create those as physical sculptures yeah, maybe with somebody to help me, <laughs> because um, you know every everybody have his difficult. So my physical ability is going down very rapidly. So such a thing, I have some challenges physical. Yeah. So um, what attracts you to make work that's abstract but still takes a lot of detail from the real world, especially human anatomy? I, I'm not going to call them abstract. Uh, you know, the the human being, any object is created uh, by s some uh, rules, you know. 
is created first uh, like skeleton after this like surfaces uh, it's filled with uh, muscles and bones and stuff to make it functional this uh, figure what i'm doing actually i'm stripping down a little bit of the of the object just uh, bring him a few steps back of uh, his crea creation just to uh, to underline the the idea of uh, a, a, a the, the concept of the work. That's what I'm doing. I'm not doing abstraction. I, I'm not Picasso. Picasso is a great guy, but he's destructor. I'm creator. I, I build things. I, I don't uh, uh, disform the shape or uh, split it on parts or something like that. Actually, I'm building. In many of your non-sculptural pieces, it seems that you draw heavily from Leonardo da Vinci from the Mona Lisa to sketches of more technical, scientific representations that you might find in his studies and journals. In using his work to construct your own, what made you want to include da Vinci as a force in a number of your pieces? When you're talking about Leonardo da Vinci, so that's the, the most obvious thing, that uh, the, the things that are common between him and me is that we're looking scientifically of the object. Actually, it's not that. Um, Leonardo da Vinci, you, you can't see one of his uh, sketches or or shidovers uh, recklessly done. They they're not playing, f uh, they're not uh, a game. They're not just uh, playful. They're serious uh, piece of art. And and my attitude to art is same. Is I, I um, go to make a picture with serious attitude. That is serious job. So that's the, the most common thing, not the technical part. So uh, the technical part, what I like in his uh, drawings, that's the very nice art representation of the scientific, scientific facts or ideas. Uh, I mean, he make the, uh, the, the right uh, approach uh, to represent uh, science as art. So he, his drawings are a piece of art for me. They are not only scientific machinery or anatomy. He, he was the greatest anatom of his age, by the way. And um, he's really a guy uh, deserves uh, his uh, place and uh, the admiration, all these things. So uh, you seem to stress a lot the importance of approaching your work with a serious and scientific mentality. Do you think that with younger artists, the, the kind of seriousness is being lost? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely, because um, there, is, there are a lot of reasons for that. The market, uh, the modern art, the postmodern art. The modern art is a good thing, but postmodern art is uh, something that is um, without uh, purpose, you know, without goal. Uh, Everything in the world should have purpose, should have goal. <laughs> uh, to to play is nice, but uh, to to play, play just the paint and all this stuff. Uh, it, it's it sounds like a decoration. It doesn't sounds like a serious work, and uh, you can do it just for for his one amusement. But uh, what is the idea that you transfer to the world, and? Uh, how I say it's uh, it's a cure to be a business for billions. <laughs> so you you should uh, be more serious about that. 
as well is very influential art. Uh, the art is very influential. He have a strong power over the politic, over the society. So you, you should be responsible. Should, you should be able to express yourself. What would you say is the underlying goal behind your work? The underlying? Yeah, the, yeah the, what you're trying to transfer to your audience. Uh, I try to transfer ideas. I, I want to transfer concepts and ideas. Uh, philosophical, philosophical ideas. For example, I have a, um, a work, it's called Adam. It, it's showing uh, a man on the front, a woman on, on the rear. Actually, it's transparent screen. And uh, both of them, they make one, crea uh, one creature. And it's a dam. Uh, you know, you can see it from the uh, biblical point of view. You can see it from the uh, scientific point of view. This is not uh, not um, not my point. It's my point is I to inspire questions in, in you. You to start to question yourself for your origin. Uh, you you know that uh, anatomically, men and ladies, both of them of them they have breasts and nipples and stuff. And uh, anatomically, they have slightly difference only. So it's obviously the the union between female and male uh, part of the humanity. So uh, I want people to, to think about that, not, not just to, to take uh, that for pleasure. Pleasure is a good thing, of course, but uh, it sounds more like decoration. Since you've been inducted into the Ontario Society of Artists, what have you found to be the benefit of being a member of an art society, and how did you come up to be a part of the OSA? To be in an art society is a good thing. I I always have been in a, some kind of art society back home or or here. Uh, it, it, the benefit is that you have uh, exposure. Uh, you have colleagues uh, to talk uh, about your vision uh, with them. Uh, in Ontario Society of Artists, uh, we we have very very useful, very um, good relations, and uh, as well. Um, like dry drawing session or uh, exhibition or uh, just uh, lunch, uh, we we have uh, nice occasions uh, with with the artists there. So the not so good thing uh, of this society. Uh, firstly, initially I like it because it's the oldest society in Canada, so it's about uh, 200 years. Uh, it gives the society some kind of uh, uh, eligibility, all this stuff. So I, I apply and they admit me. Uh, but uh, actually, ten members, uh, there are a lot of, but uh, most of them are old people. So <laughs> when <laughs> I told one of my friends, uh, they admit me in the older society in, in Canada, he said, literally, literally. <laughs> so they're, they're pretty old people. They can't attract the young people. And the young people, they're, you know, the rebellions. They're people that bring new ideas. Yeah. Do you feel you have more in common with the older members? Uh, no, I'm, I'm still a young guy and with young ideas. Uh, um, I just uh, didn't find the, the society only with young artists, you know. 
So you said it's been beneficial to you to be part of the Ontario Society of Artists, but you've also said that it's important that you work alone. So how do you balance the two where you want to tell people about your ideas, but you still want to have your own individual process? For the individual process, you, you need solitude, especially me. I, I can't draw in the public. I, I can't draw in a, in group, you know, like class or something. I, I need solitude just to... Because I see the image before I to to draw it, I I compose everything in my mind before I to sit and to start to draw. So I need some solitude for for the technical part, just to make it. But for the exposure, I I need m the society. I I need uh, uh, the exhibitions, the galleries, uh, soci the society itself, uh, the colleagues. Uh, I'm okay with to discuss our works as well. So you said that your favorite exhibition that you participated in was the Canadian Artists Without Borders. How did that come about, and what do you feel you gained from that experience? It, it was a very nice uh, initiative uh, from Varley Art Gallery, and they gave the, the big um, hall there for this exhibition. It was curated exhibition, and uh, they select me among uh, a lot of other other artists. So the patronage was of uh, the Minister of Immigration, and the idea was uh, to show uh, the new Canadian arts that is without border, that is actually made of uh, new people, new artists, new immigrants, uh, people of different races and different colors. Uh, that was the organization of this uh, exhibition. And also I, I saw that the selection was a really good uh, Mm, you know, we we all were different, but uh, you you can see all all of us we we bringing something from back home or of uh, ourselves. You know, uh, like uh, one of the guys made big rolls of uh, very long figures, like drawings. Another make made actually um, wooden sculptures uh, made of surfaces very very interesting, very close to me. And uh, I, I saw uh, Japanese artists making uh, sur uh, surreal art. That was pretty good. <laughs> I prefer <laughs> his art. In, uh, I had uh, Salvador Dali, so really interesting. Um, do you try to show a lot of your own national pride in your work? Not really. <laughs> I want to show myself. <laughs> okay. Be because... Uh, you know, I, I'm tired to to learn. I want to know what I am. So I want to show my biography in my works. And, and uh, they indirectly biograph, uh, biographically, yeah. So you said that you uh, take a lot of your inspiration from philosophy in your work. Are there any, um, like, texts that inspire some of your work? Or Yeah, some, some texts are pretty pretty good uh, so <laughs> you you want some citat or <laughs> um, yeah I, I watch a lot of uh, videos and uh, you, you can go to YouTube and see um, the power of art it's pretty good um, movies uh, about art about Caravaggio about uh, uh, Mark Rothko about uh, Picasso so 
I read books as well for, for Picasso, for Leonardo. I know all their biographies, and uh, they inspire me some, somehow. How do you see uh, technology changing art and the way people consume art and create it? The technology is moving thing. So usual art is trying to catch up with the technology. Uh, I, I want to give an example. Uh, actually, every, every age, every uh, technical innovation changing art as well. Uh, why Picasso have been born um, last century, in the beginning? Uh, exactly when uh, they discovered the photography. And uh, the guy say, okay, uh, this is not the purpose of art anymore because the f f photography is doing uh, our job better. So we're not going to record images. It's, it's useless. So the, the purpose of art is going to be, we're going deep down in, in the human being, in the, his nature, in his soul, and we just... Uh, just just show it out and uh, he start to fight with the usual rules you know the per perspective in the in the pictures uh, he invented the cubism without uh, uh, perspective rules you know uh, still lives on uh, landscapes without uh, perspective rules or with uh, the opposite uh, he start to fight with um, uh, Shape with the human shape, uh, just to destruct it, put it, piece, cut it on pieces, just to to reach this thing that stayed deep down there, uh, and we call this soul or character or biography of the model. So the technology is uh, changing uh, the world; is changing the art too, and. Uh, the necessity we to make art that is. Uh, that makes sense, that uh, bring uh, concepts and ideas remain. It doesn't matter you use a uh, 3D program or uh, some 3D device, uh, the ability you to think and to express yourself remains. Yeah. H have you yourself um, experimented with 3D and digital art? Um, I have here a few, few programs. Um, Sometimes, yeah, sometimes I try, just like um, projects, because it's uh, much uh, much faster the drawing sometimes. And, uh, but you, you should good at, to be good at that, just to use the tools. Like, you, like with uh, the regular tools, you, you should be good with them, you should be good with brush, with pencil, with all this stuff in order to, to, to make you a piece of art. So, so you should you should be good with the um, you know program tools in your resin sculptures you often include various objects from the outside world like coins watches a fork in the case of the mask which you showed at canadian artists without borders physically within the sculptures themselves what do these objects symbolize what inspires you to use them and how do you go about placing them within the uh, sculpture oh you you mean um um the collage that I use in uh, in the sculptures uh, usual those sculptures they're from uh, resin uh, epoxy or polyester and I use transparent resin so i I just dip objects and embed them in the resin so what is the the purpose of that it's the same thing actually I want to show the inside world of the 
the object. For example, I have a mask of young lady, and uh, you, you can see because it's transparent. You you can see um, you can you can say um, uh, a spoon or a fork uh, in her nose. Actually, uh, you can see coins. So. This is, those are the, the basic necessities and the things that make our life. The money, the food, like symbols, you know? Or the chain, the, or something like that. I use, I use symbols. All these objects, they represent uh, things that make our life. Or symbolize something. All these artifacts. When your work ends up on display in a gallery or any other location, most often is that something you have to push for, or do the people responsible for managing the art in these spaces come to you in hopes of exhibiting your work? Usually I offer um, my stuff, my works, to, to galleries for their jury shows or for their um, collections. And if they like it, they take home and uh, they buy it directly or they expose it. And usually they like it, but uh, you know it's hard to hard to sell. Uh, usual galleries they don't invest in in uh, in an artist that they don't invest in in artist that is without name, without uh, um, without market. They wanna. Uh, uh, product ready. You you should be uh, with uh, awards, with um, nominations, uh, education, local education. I mean, uh, with name, and uh, then you offer your works. They invest in these works, and probably they're going to sell it for more. It's all strictly business. You've had your sculptures shown in galleries in Bulgaria and the Netherlands, as well as here in Canada. With that said, have you noticed any trends or differences in how audiences react to your work from place to place? Um, yeah, there is a difference because um, the mentality of the public is different. So back home, um, I just coincided my uh, graduation with uh, something like a revolution a revolution in the, in the politics a revolution in in the manner of people of uh, uh, in their moral in everything and uh, i coincide with some kind of renaissance to the classical art as well uh, some kind of revolution in the art because uh, a lot of uh, new methods, new ideas uh, that my colleagues, they start to, to use them. We actually introduced the modern art. So um, the public was uh, quite uh, interested of that. But I think that the things are not same anymore. So I think that back, back there and the things going to be more commercial, just uh, serving the, the new rich people. My my art uh, w was shown mostly by professionals, my colleagues, my uh, friends, uh, my uh, professors, and, uh, and they prize it. They they like it back home. When I came here, something different happened. Actually, here, especially in Toronto, I didn't try uh, other cities. I I stuck here for ten years. People are very conservative about uh, nudity, 
let's say, immunity. But uh, what is the point I to draw uh, only in landscapes? Uh, how I say most of the artists they resort to make copies of group of seven or things that uh, just plug at them or, or they're, they're close to their art, like uh, reproduction in, in, in hundreds and thousands of, uh, of their pictures. Uh, it can be only used for decoration. Uh, the, the human body uh, give you view of yourself. Actually, this is the, the main purpose of the art. The human nature, the human body, the, the human suffering, or, or um, the, the human spirit, but you, you need, you need the, the, the realistic body in order to make it. So it's uh, going in conflict with uh, some Puritan, uh, you know, understanding of these things. And uh, other thing is that uh, the things that are very philosophically and make people thinking about that, a, a lot of guys are just afraid of that. You know, uh, how how is possible they not to see a screen that is uh, uh, seven per ten per, per ten feet? It, they just ignore it. They just walk around. They pretend not to see it. So it's a, some kind of insulting. A lot of people come to me and uh, they say, well, this is a great work, but uh, part of the public just ignore it. What do you think you can do, um, maybe just to change that mentality or make people more comfortable and not feel like they need to ignore? Um, this is not my job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I need curators. I, I need curators. I need uh, galermen. I need... Um, you know, journalists as well. So uh, those are the people that uh, they teach the society what is good, what is bad. That's the aesthetic. So uh, the artist, the artist needs aesthetic to to know what is beautiful, what is wrong, what is right, what is functional. This is the aesthetic, and the guys that. Uh, got a format in the people that they don't understand art actually they're technical or they're just laborers those guys they're, they're um, curators and uh, art historians and such a guys you know journalists even it's a very responsible job they gotta change the the view of the people as well uh, those guys uh, with the auctions you know with the overpriced works yeah, that uses that as investment, you know, because uh, the money is uh, going paper now. They're not worthy. They put their millions in a piece of art uh, with uh, not quite clear, uh, <laughs> not quite clear value for me. <laughs> but uh, putting money in art actually is the biggest advertising of art. Yeah. So what are the challenges in making yourself financially successful as an artist while still producing work that you find pleasing? There is a thought that um, artists do art only for himself, not for the public, not for the market. I if uh, the public uh, like it and people like it, it's just bonus. But the artist is making the, the works only for himself. If you want to sustain your living, just get another job. Are you of the opinion that sculptors have an easier or harder time being successful than, say, painters in getting their work into galleries and selling their work? 
Is sculpture any more or less in demand than other forms of art? Sculpture is um, it's hard to sell. I can't tell that. Um, it, it's expensive to make. It's hard to sell. And I, I can tell you why. It's not because of the market. It's, it's just uh, basic human psychology. Um, Three-dimensional object is, is hard for you to assimilate. The way how humans see is a flat, uh, flat, flat projector is. Actually, we use books. We, we use pages that are two-dimensional. We use screens of the computers, of TV sets. So that's the way how the, the human uh, sight um, assimilates the, the nature, like uh, screens of, screens of uh, information. Something that is three-dimensional is hard for you to assimilate it. you got to walk around. It's hard for you to expose it at home because you need special base, uh, you need a special room because uh, it, it should be accept acceptable from all sides and visible from all sides. And for the artist, it's hard to, to cast it because he has cost a little fortune. It's hard to make it in scale. That's why the sculpture is not so popular, but it's a good art, actually. It's more elite art, if you put it like that. And um, the painting, the, the, the drawings, uh, more understandable, you expose them easily on the wall, so that's why. You've also designed awards for national and international competitions and events. Could you name a few of those events and tell us how you ended up with this task? Yeah, I, I do awards. One is um, Bulgarian website design, Behom. Another is uh, computer art, that is international competition. So it's just a commission, but uh, involve different skills, and not um, skills of artists, uh, not skills of uh, modeling, of sculpting. Uh, is you you get a use your knowledge of semantic. Semantic is a, a art of the the symbols, the art of the symbols, the art of the science. You you gotta represent represent the this event with uh, for what is this event for um, what is the purpose of this event or, or what is the competition so you you gotta sim use uh, symbols to to express this idea and after this is coming the production of, uh, of the shapes you, you gotta be knowledgeable of a lot of process because the awards uh, not all of them take going to be cast in bronze. Some of them uh, you, you use uh, laser to engrave something, some um, text. You use uh, mm, turning just to, to make the shape, or you you use uh, plating coating, or such a things. So you, you need uh, different skills for that. It it is art you know, but uh, it's different. Was there ever a point in your career where you lost your passion for what you're doing? And if so, how did you find it again? I never was passionate to, to, to my art. So that's the difference. 
some artists think that they gotta stay at home and wait for the inspiration to hit them from behind you know uh, I have different experience and different uh, concept for that I'm always under inspiration for me it's hard I, to select my ideas which one is going to be uh, done for for me the selection process of, of my enormous uh, amount of ideas is, is the hardest thing I, I, I have always been under inspiration and uh, passion Making a sculpture out of bronze or brass, what does that process involve in terms of time, money, and labor? Oh, there we go. <laughs> uh, so, it's laborious, it's expensive. And uh, the practice here is uh, you to get the commission first and then to, to go on. Um, but uh, the process is uh, like that. You, you modeling your piece of art, your sculpture, you modeling over metal skeleton. You modeling uh, with clay uh, plasterline or wax. Uh, after this, you make molds, negative molds, just to to get the shape. Uh, you you cast wax there to get a whole whole shape. And this whole shape, you um, you you make molds that is thermoresist from from um, thermoresist resist the uh, slurry you you make the mold uh, you give it to the foundry what they're doing there actually the model should be connected with some gates and vents and stuff uh, for for the metal to go in, in the in, in the model in the wax model and the air to to escape so you give it in the uh, foundry and uh, they dry it uh, using high temperature furnaces there, they dry it, uh, the wax to disappear. It's called wax uh, washing technique. And uh, after this, uh, they melt bronze or brass or aluminum and they pour it. And uh, the process after this, they or you, you should uh, finish your job to cut the gates, the, the extra appendix there, to cut uh, all extra shapes. Uh, to polish this, um, to shine it, and after this to make patina, and after this to make base, all this stuff. And they cost uh, usual more than you're able to sell it. <laughs> <laughs> sounds pretty complicated too. Yeah, very complicated. It uh, sounds very uh, useless, yeah. <laughs> so uh, what would you say are the limitations to sculpting in this medium? And what are its biggest challenges, but also its benefits? The benefits of sculpting in bronze and brass. Yeah, it's uh, challenging. It is challenging, but um, the benefits are... Those are classical techniques, you know. They, they bring value to your work. Uh, if it is not cast in bronze and brass or made in marble, it's not, not going to be, you know. It, it brings extra value to your work and uh, actually you, you can sell it once is in these materials you, you can ask for very big price but, uh, as well as an artist you, you see your work um, complete you, you see because you, you design actually your model you design it to be in bronze on marble you're not going to make it in, in the same way 
if you make it for marble, you will make it more common shape or, uh, you know, more monumental because it's stone or uh, more delicate in some places. But uh, if it is in bronze, you, you can make a lot of intricate details in the wax. Actually, you can make it uh, very interesting. Uh, and after this, you to cast it in bronze without problems, technically. How much time do you experiment, like, with your sculptures? Like, uh, what percentage of your time is spent experimenting just to find new things you can do that might not necessarily work out in the end product, but just... Oh, you mean the the, the modeling process, not the production of the sculpture? Uh, I just wanted to know how much time, when you're sculpting, uh, how much time is devoted to experimenting? Like, um, something that you might not necessarily sell, but just uh, you want to see if oh, a certain process works? Yeah. Actually, um, if it is commissioned, usually you have uh, time set, you know. Time set. Uh, you got to do it for two months, for example, for uh, 5,000. And it should be in bronze uh, with medium size. You, you get some parameters. But if it is uh, for your pleasure or for your inspiration, by your, your inspiration, uh, you, you can experimenting with this, and um, you can spend all your life doing that. Uh, but uh, how, how long I I do this? Um, quite quite long actually, experimenting without anybody to pay me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how long do non-sculptural works usually take from sketch to final product? Like your work titled Adam, for example. Oh, for my my work Adam. It was about a week, one week, because he's drawing, yeah. <laughs> so you can draw quite quickly, it seems. Yeah, quite quite quick. Uh, once you you got the idea, once you make a few sketches, just uh, to pinpoint it, uh, you need maybe a week or even four or five days, even if if the the drawing is uh, big scale. Yeah. Do you make any conscious effort to maintain a certain style throughout your sculptures or in your non-sculptural work? Yeah, I, I want to say that uh, if you know your craft, you, you need a week. Uh, I never hesitate when, when I draw. I know what I'm doing. You know, some, some artists, uh, they suffer, they scratch the canvas and uh, remove all paint and make it again. I, I never do such a thing. I have a plan, you know. Can you describe what your studio looks like and what tools you keep around you when you're working? My studio? Um, it, it's very nice, uh, big living room, uh, very sunny. And um, let me see. I have, um, it's look uh, pretty much, uh, I have easel, easel here. I have boxes with paint. Uh, I have uh, some rolls of, um, you know, polyester screens and uh, I, I like I like uh, my studio to I to feel it like home in my studio I don't like my studio to be like a workshop or something uh, of course I, I have second room with tools there you know with drills and uh, angle grounders and I, I have a garage downstairs uh, for the for the sculpting you know I, I can cut marble there and uh, all this stuff 
When you're working, are there any rituals or habits you typically follow? Like, for example, do you listen to music or the radio while you work, or do you prefer to work in silence? No. Actually, I, I don't listen to music. Um, before, I used to, but uh, I think that uh, the music itself, um, the music itself uh, brings another idea. Sometimes the music is in, in synchron with your idea. But you should look for such a music, specific music. Most of the time, it's just distraction because uh, bringing another idea, uh, it can bring you power when you draw, you know, to 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 make you active and uh, all this stuff. So usually, I don't use music. And um, rituals. Uh, <laughs> usually, I have one to three days hesitation in my choice what I'm going to to draw. <laughs> That's my ritual <laughs> yeah so if, um, if people that's the hardest part for me for me the hardest part is the selection process of my ideas how many sketches would you um, go through before choosing one to follow through and make a sculpture from the, for sculpture mm, sometimes I do sketches some, sometimes I just make sculpture right away uh, for drawings for the big drawings uh, I do uh, maybe three or four sketches first. First is uh, just uh, very artistic, you know, just to, to pinpoint the idea. Second and third, uh, them details. Sometimes I use pictures for dance, uh, for sometimes I use model, life model. And uh, the fourth is uh, just uh, more, you, you can describe it like draft, like a technical draft. I, it give me the coordinates of the the thing that I'm going to, to draw, like vectors, yeah, but not so strict. Uh, where is the middle of the canvas? Where is the, you know, the end? Uh, where is going to end your, your drawing? Where is going to start? You know, you need this. See, otherwise, you, you're not going to be accurate. You're not, you're not going to, to make exactly your idea. You're going to make something different. You've got to change it all the time. And the materials that I use, you can't erase, you know. It's very hard to erase. So I, I work prima vista most of the time. It's mean right away. <laughs> yeah. Is there any advice that you'd give to young artists? To follow their path, uh, to learn more, is not necessary in school, but uh, and to form their aesthetic view. This thing will guide them. What is what is good? What is wrong? Because not everything is good in art. We, we say the variety is a good thing. Of course, it's good, but uh, when you admit crap, it's not good. <laughs> yeah, that's understandable. Yeah. Um, so, if people would like to see some examples of your work, where should they go? Some example, uh, they can go in the Wellington Gallery uh, to see them in Aurora. As well, they can go to the site of Ontario Society of Artists and get my uh, email and uh, my website, so they can see the uh, examples. Mm, they can come to our exhibitions, uh, you know, um, in the Ayrt Gallery, it's McDonald's building, uh, as well in the Todd Morton paper mill. They are very nice uh, halls there, very big exhibitions uh, so they can enjoy my works and uh, the works of my colleagues.
Okay, thank you so much. It was great speaking with you today, and thank thanks you for giving much. your insights. Yeah, it was a pleasure for me. Bye. Bye.